Happy New Year, blessed New Year to you. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Yes. So I've been saying blessed New Year instead of just happy New Year because I'm, I'm asking God to bring the blessing, uh, even as Pastor Eric did this morning, to, to bring the blessing into this new year of ours. Um, we're finishing up our Desperate for Christmas series today. Uh, we, we started out um, Desperate for Hope. And then we considered our desperation for peace, and why do we hang on to that reality? Uh, we also talked with God and one another about being desperate for joy and desperate for love. And then last week, uh, our brother Scott brought us the good news that uh, we can bring all of our desperations to God, uh, and the invitation for that is found in, in the, the message, in the book, um, and the revelation of his word. Great invitation. And today, it, it's fitting that we end this series and, and start 2021 with an awareness and a call that we are desperate for prayer, that we need to be desperate for prayer. I, I noticed on some the social media outlets uh, Facebook and whatnot, that Facebook's really the only one that I know how to do, but um, <laughs> this, the, this theme of people who normally sleep through midnight of the new year, they were saying, oh, I'm gonna stay up, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that 2020 leaves the building. And, and so lots of people at midnight kind of breathing a, a sigh of relief, but Folks, I'm sorry to tell you, but all the problems of 2020 made it past midnight. So I think it's important that we begin our, our next season, our 2021, uh, establishing ourselves on the foundation of prayer. Because if, if, if that's what we do, then no matter what 2021 brings to us, we're standing on a firm, firm foundation. Amen. We're standing before God Almighty. Now that's a great place to be. Whatever the year, we're standing before a timeless God. Amen. So let's do that. Let's commit to that. And, and I want to start us out in 2021 by sharing a few things from this good book that we are desperate for. So if you would, if you have your Bibles, we're going to work out of Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 13. This is the word of God for us as we begin 2021. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet did not sin. Let us come boldly before God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace 
to help us in our time of need. A great word to stand on, to place our feet on as we enter into 2021. Now, I realize we could do a year-long series, really, on prayer and all the, the elements and the goodness of it, but I'm just going to point out a few things that really blow my mind about prayer as reflected in this passage. Um, I'm sure most of you have prayed prayers of desperation at one time or another when your circumstances kind of lent that where you just know you needed to be before the Lord. And I want to start with a, just a quick story about my first prayer of desperation. I remember it well. I was in first grade at Valley View Elementary School with Miss Norman's class, and we were doing two-digit subtraction. <laughs> and Miss Norman thought it would be fun to put up a three-digit subtraction problem on the board. And, and, and dating myself, we used chalkboards then. So Miss Norman put the problem up on the chalkboard, and then she took her piece of chalk, and she turned to the class and said, volunteers. And, you know, first grade, I think everybody's heads kind of went this way, or shoes needed to be tied or looked up at the lights. And next thing I know, I hear Miss Norman call my name. Tracy, I bet you could do this. Well, I was a new believer at that time. And my Sunday school teacher had told me that I could pray to God and ask for his presence at any time and any place. That all I had to do was call his name and he would be with me. So first grade me, I said, Jesus Christ, help me. Well, some of the, my classmates kind of gasped, and I didn't know what that was about. I, I just prayed, and I went up, and I did the problem. I got it right. I was really proud of myself, and I went back to my seat. And, and then Miss Norman kept me after, didn't let me go out for recess. And she said, you can't do that. You can't, you can't say what you said, and, and you need to not do that anymore. And, I started crying. I thought, I can't pray. And dating myself again, it was just a couple of few years before that that prayer in school was outlawed. So I'm thinking, I broke the law. And I said to her, well, my Sunday school teacher said I could pray anytime, anywhere, and I don't care if it's against the law, I'm going to pray anyway. Well, then I went outside for recess and found out that it's really not the police I have to worry about, which I did kind of wonder if the police were going to come and get me. But one of my classmates said, oh, no, it's not the police. you got to worry about going to hell because you, you broke that commandment of taking the Lord's name in vain. So it wasn't until a few days later when I went back to Sunday school and my Sunday school teacher said, Thankfully, let me know I didn't have to worry about hell or the police. But she did kind of tell me, and I learned the lesson, that I can't really say Jesus Christ in the same tone that I heard it in my unbelieving household. I was under the mistaken idea that every time my parents said Jesus Christ, they were praying. 
And so I kind of said it with that same intonation, but I was praying. <laughs> it was a prayer of desperation. And God was with me. <laughs> As a six or seven-year-old child, to know that I could be desperate for, for prayer and it would be okay with God. <laughs> we have an invitation to pray anytime, anywhere, about anything. Every moment, in fact, could be something to pray about, something to take before the Lord. We can, we can learn to walk in a way where there's an expectation in our own hearts that I'm going to take this to the Lord. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to be before the Lord. I read this quote about, from C.S. Lewis. I think it's in, in the, the bulletin, but it's a wonderful quote that I just resonate with. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. So I'm really glad to have this opportunity to share about prayer because I love the humility that is prayer. I need the humility that is prayer because prayer gives me perspective. It's the foundational reminder that I need God. I need him, desperately need him. And although that first grade prayer experience was, was a, a prayer of desperation, it was just a few months before that that, that I became desperate for prayer. When I first heard the gospel as a little girl, and I heard it at vacation Bible school. I didn't grow up in a, in a household that knew the Lord, but my mom was willing to send me to VBS, and I heard this gospel message, and I could not wait to raise my hand and say, yes, I want Jesus to forgive my sins, and I want Jesus to come into my heart. That was my first place of being desperate for prayer. And, and I remember Mr. and Mrs. Bud Cobb sat alongside me and prayed and showed me how I could just say these words, standing in the presence of God, and I would receive the gift of salvation. So Mr. and Mrs. Bud Cobb prayed for me, and they gave me my first Bible. This is, over 50, this is 50 years old, folks. They have a little inscription even that they put inside. I pray that you will read your Bible every day and learn what God wants you to do. When you know what God wants, then obey him all of your life. And then they put the scripture, James 1.22, which is telling us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers. And one powerful message of the word is to be a doer of prayer. So then Mr. and Mrs. Bud Cobb signed that, and 50 years later, I, I have that precious gift reminding me to do the word, to pray, to be a person that is available 
to the presence of God, to say, I need to be in that presence. We live in a society that doesn't really elevate need, unless it's need for money or need for things. I, I had the idea of, of looking up some of the messages out there about what it is to be needy. And it was very despairing what I found. Some things online, you know, little placards that you can order. Sentiments that you, you put up on the wall. And one said, it's best not to need anyone. And then another one said, people aren't always going to be there for you. That's why you need to learn to handle things on your own. So then it said, handle things alone. And then another one, so sad, don't depend too much on anyone because even your shadow leaves you when you're in darkness. Oh. Can you imagine people buy this and then put it up on their wall as a reminder? Well, we have a God who celebrates when we bring our need to him. He declares it goodness. He declares it right. He declares it for his glory. When we bring our need into his presence, it is for his glory because we are saying, I, I need you. You are God and I am not. We are humbling ourselves into his presence and that glorifies him. Jesus was our model for everything, really. And he was our model for prayer perspective, for living out of this posture of need. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, it says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. So when we submit ourselves, humble ourselves, and go into the presence of God, the throne room of God, he hears us. He pays attention. He is honored. And our need is received by God. We have this access because of Jesus. We don't have to stay back. We get to fully enter into the throne room of God, into his presence. We have complete access. The, the veil was torn. The body of Jesus tore the veil and said, and God said, come on in. Come fully in. And don't just walk in hesitantly. Come boldly and with confidence. Declare that you have full access to the God of the universe. Now, it's beyond our ability to comprehend how God places himself in time 
on our behalf, but this is who he is. The God who is so desperate for our need that he gave himself a physical body, separated himself, came to earth and then lived 33 years daily choosing not to sin. Now, maybe I get 10 minutes without sinning on a good day. Daily, for 33 years, he chose not to sin because he was so desperate for us to have that access that he lived it daily and then died a torturous death on our behalf so that veil would be torn so that we could enter in fully to not just the God of the universe, but our Father God. So folks, we have been invited in. Hebrews 10, verse 19 says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. This faithful God who gave himself, do we need more of a witness than that? He gave himself so that we could come into his presence. I who am sinful, I who am broken, come into the presence of God, righteous, pure, given the access that Jesus has given me. You know, in the, the Jewish temple, the the Holy of Holies, which was behind the veil, behind the curtain, was a place that only the high priest could go, and he could only go once a year. And he went with fear and trepidation. That the, the teaching is that they would tie a rope around the, the waist of the high priest and, and bells, and he would go in, and this is traditional teaching, it's not in scripture, but he would go in and, and, and perform his duties and they'd want to hear the bells. Well, if they didn't hear the bells, it would mean that something had happened to this high priest and they would need to retrieve him. Well, no one else could go behind the curtain, so they used the rope to pull him out. Well, can you imagine that rope going around your waist and you're hoping that you come out when you go into the presence of what was the, the a physical re representation of God on earth? Well, folks, we have been given full access to go in without fear. Did you hear God say, come boldly? 
come with confidence, not in who we are, certainly not, but in who he is, the God of faithfulness, who has declared me righteous. Now, if God's declaring me righteous, I'm, I'm there by definition of who he says I am. So I can be bold and go in before the throne of God to say, here's my need, God. Here's my need, Father. This is a God who wants to hear and take our needs and fill us with his faithful promises to take our journeys fully in the presence of God, not with fear, not with hesitation. Come through, come in, come to me, he says. He says, unlike that that human lament that was desperately sad, he says, um, you know what, I'm I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. In fact, there's no place you can go that is outside my presence. And now, in our, in our humanity, sometimes we want to pretend that God isn't with us, especially if we're making choices that don't reflect godliness, but he's always with us. Sometimes the shame of our lives make us hesitant to come before him, but... But people of God, we need to remember that God has placed the righteousness of Christ upon us. So we don't need to fear. We need to step boldly before him. Because his promise is, he'll receive us. He doesn't leave us. He takes us in. So whatever 2021 brings to us, we can remember and walk the path that says we have full access to the God of the universe. Full access to God our Father. Now, I don't know about you, but for me that makes a difference. What can 2021 bring to us that God doesn't already know about? That God has not already been to, that God doesn't have a plan for, that God has not allowed. So let's partner with this God. We have full access, right? Full access means we have a partnership with God. A partnership with God. We don't even have to come up with a plan because God already has the plan. He says to us in Jeremiah 29, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. God will listen to me. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back from captivity. Partnership with God. 
Can we do that? Can we intentionally set our hearts to partner with God through prayer? I have a friend, his name is Rich Hant, and he was my youth pastor long ago, and I think he's about to turn 80 this year, so um, that tells you something, and he can, he, he declares that, so when he watches this, he's not going to say, can't believe you told my age. Um, but Rich is a man who, in his previous years, had some very deep darkness in his journey. Um, he struggled terribly, even while he was a, a youth pastor. And I would say darkness surrounded him for, for quite a while, but something changed for him. His prayer life changed. And when he began to pray with fervor and humility, when he learned to submit his heart and became, become desperate for prayer, Rich's life changed. Light came to his life and his journey, and God changed his heart and his life so that he could have a path of righteous ministry. So every day, Rich does this thing that um, is very powerful. He declares himself a partner with God. He goes out into uh, out, goes outside, and he lives actually up in, in the mountains in California, but wherever he's at, every day he goes outside, he raises his hands to heaven, and he says, good morning, Lord, Rich Hansen here reporting for duty. <laughs> now what a powerful thing. You can't help but be changed when you come boldly and confidently before the throne of grace, and that's what prayer is. When you pray into a partnership with God Almighty, you, you actually train yourself to expect to see God at work. You expect to see the revelation of his plan. When we seek him, we will find him. Are you seeking him? When we pray, we are asking for the eyes to see what God is up to. Are you asking God? Are you partnering with God? Are you living in the anticipation? The anticipation is, is the expectation of seeing what God is doing. And he has invited you, he has invited me to be a part of that. Now, there aren't very many things that are universally known by anyone and everyone, but, but there is one thing that I, I would venture to say is probably accurate on that, and that, if, that, and that is that the ways that God reveals himself is often very unexpected. And, and if we're honest, and, you know, why shouldn't we be with the God who knows everything, right? If we're honest, we're going to say that sometimes God reveals himself in in ways that we would say are unwelcomed. Unwelcomed because we, we want there to be another way, another answer, uh, a different answer. But when we are desperate for prayer, having come into his presence with partnership, we also need to be submitting ourselves to his purposes. 
you have only to look to the Psalms to, to see, thankfully, that God isn't expecting us to always agree with or, or understand or even like how some of the things of his plan are revealed. I think some of you know I'm a, I'm a hospice chaplain. Um, actually, I'm a couple of weeks away from being a retired hospice chaplain. Um, but oftentimes, it, that's quite a bit about, God, I, I'm not really a fan of this, of, of what's happening, but, but it's praying. It's taking ourselves before God and saying, what is your purpose, God? I don't, I don't like what I'm seeing, but, but God, I, I, wanna, I want your purpose. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Eric preached from Psalm 31, and, um, and this is a powerful example. I don't think I have it up on the screen, but it's a powerful example of, of just one of many of the Psalms that are, that are a reflection of, of being desperate for prayer when the partnership with God isn't going the way that, that, that we really want it to. So I'd encourage you to read the entire psalm, but I'm just going to read a a couple of verses starting at verse 9. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish, and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my afflictions, and my bones grow weak. I have become like broken pottery. Then verse 14, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. So you've heard, it, you heard me say it before that I'm, I'm grateful when I go to the worship book of the Bible, the, the Psalms, and I find people who are desperate for prayer and desperately praying like me. They're, they're even telling God they feel forgotten uh, in some of their circumstances. They, they're shouting out at God. But God calls this heart of honesty worship. You know, King David, who wrote this particular psalm, he was despairing. And, and I've kind of paraphrased here what he, what he said. God, I don't get it. I, I don't like it. But you are God and I am not, and I will intentionally set my heart to trust you. I'm going to ask you for what my heart wants, and then I'm going to trust the journey and the outcome to you. So when we are in this presence of God, when we are in the throne room of God, we are in the throne room of grace and mercy. So we can bring our questions, our despairings, our, our doubts, our wonderings, our dislike before the Lord and say, I, I, don't, I don't know about this, God, but what I do know is you are faithful. So I will be here in the confidence of your faithfulness, not the confidence of my doubt. I'm, I'm very confident in my doubt, but I will place my trust, and my greater confidence in you. And and God is pleased by that. He calls it worship. So let's worship God confidently, 
by being before him even when we don't understand the circumstances, by saying, I'm believing in who you are, God, because I can't believe in, in myself and what's happening and my understanding of it, but I can trust you. Again, Jesus being our example, from Matthew 26, when Jesus was in the garden, he said, it's, it says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So what can we know from the witness of prayer in the life of Jesus that, that being desperate for prayer, having this full access to God, engaging this partnership that is about his plan and his purposes that we don't always have confidence in our own footing in, but we can place our confidence in who God is, and guess what happens? Power comes to us. The partnership of God with God is power. How does Jesus tell us to pray for this partnership? Well, Matthew 6. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Power. We get to declare, God, may what is in heaven be here on earth. May we be a part of what you are doing here on earth. And God isn't just saying, yeah. He is empowering us to the yes. He is declaring us instruments of his power. That's not in us or by anything that we do or, or have done. That's by us submitting humbly into the presence of God and receiving what he will give us. And he has something for us. And it includes his power. Now, it, now obviously, it's a mystery we get to boldly and confidently come before God and, and ask him to participate in, in what he has already accomplished and what he is accomplishing and, and what he will accomplish. Uh, we, we bring our, our right now moments before an eternal God. How does that happen? We, well, if you know it, let's hear it. We, we don't know it. Because God is not going to be placed in a box of our understanding. But he, the timeless God, places himself on our behalf into our moments. So when, when we pray, we, we don't know what God has planned. Some of the time the outcome is, you know, it, all the time the outcome is unknown to us. But by stepping into his presence with this purpose, pursuing his power, it's about partnering with him into whatever that outcome is. He's the God, of, he's the God beyond time. He chooses to be in time with us on our behalf. Don't understand it 
but we trust his faithful word declaring it's true. The fact that we can be in his presence, the fact that we can address uh, ourselves as righteous, the fact that we can expect God to give us a partnership with his power, it's a humbling thing, and it's a gift. Do you receive the gift? Go into his presence. Go into his presence with expectation. Not that you will understand everything, because we won't, but expectation that you're before this God who wants to meet your need. Saying, God, I I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm going to receive it. I'm going to look for it. I'm going to expect you to do something. Doesn't it blow your mind that we have this gift, that we have this opportunity? And then God says, not only can we do this for ourselves, but we get to also do it on behalf of one another. Sometimes our circumstances are are so heavy that we don't we we want a voice to be heard in the throne room but we don't have the words so guess what we can invite someone else to pray with us or for us so that a voice is heard in the throne room of God so when you're asking someone to pray for you you're giving them the gift of inviting them to be in the presence of God the throne room presence of God on your behalf. It's no small thing. When we say, oh, I, I'm, I'm just praying for you. I wish I could do more. Well, what more can we do than to pray for one another to actually go into this room of power, this room of invitation on one another's behalf? So ask one another for prayer. Pray for one another. Pray for someone when you know they need prayer. Take that situation into the throne room presence of God with power. God is so amazing and so wonderful and so loving and so so kind to us that even when we can't find words, if, if I'm before the Lord and I can't find words, you know what he's done? He's given himself as Holy Spirit to give a voice to my need without words. The scripture says that Holy Spirit will intercede for us with sighs and groanings that are are beyond words, beyond uh, words that we're able to comprehend. This is who God is. This is how much he wants us to pray. That when we cannot even find the words, the God who indwells us, knows us, understands us, and will give us voice in the presence of the Father. So pray with words. Pray without words. Pray. Cry and pray. Let your tears be the prayers before God. Liquid prayers, I call them, that Holy Spirit interprets on our behalf. And then God takes those tears and places them in a bottle because he holds them precious. So even crying can be 
prayers of desperation because Holy Spirit knows what those tears are about. We have a powerful partnership. So church family, let's remember that we are not on our own. We don't need to be on our own. What we need is to take our need before the loving, kind, gracious, and merciful God into the very throne room of God. You, you could see how we could jump off and have you know, prayer, a, a conversation here about inter, intercessory prayer or praying in tongues or praying through worship or you know, many different ways that we can do this. But what I want us to do is not just be hearers, but doers, like Mr. and Mrs. Bud Cobb encouraged me to do. Be doers of prayer. Be people who say, God, I'm desperate. And if, if you haven't felt desperate, ask God to teach you to be desperate for prayer. Engage the invitation and the opportunity to be before the Lord in this powerful way. So I'm going to end us by asking you to do one thing here. Okay? If you're comfortable doing this, I want you to stand with me and raise your hands up. And then I'm going to have you say your name Good job, David. <laughs> but I want you to say, Good morning, Lord. Tracy Hilt's here. <laughs> Reporting for duty. Amen. Let it be so.